It's quarterfinal time, baby, and England are ready to go. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Friday, the 2nd of July. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Russell. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. We've had two days off of the Euros and I've bloody missed it. And now it's quarterfinal time and I'm feeling very, very excited about it all. There's a lot to be excited about. And it's good to have Andy Brasselbuck. I know he was is. back yesterday, but it's the first time I've seen the great man for, for a wee while. Me too. Uh, so I'm still enjoying the novelty of that, which will, of course, wear off by about <laughs> half time in the show. <laughs> At the latest. Yeah, exactly. I would think, I'd forgotten how loud you are, Jules. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's nice. It's, how, com- it's how comforting. Have you been? We've missed you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I've, been, I've been good. It's been nice to be in the heart of the tournament and now it's nice to be home. Oh. Have, you, have you missed the, um, this, not just the loudness, but the sheer size of the ego from Bree? <laughs> what? <laughs> Where's this come from? Earlier on when I said, oh, who would you compare yourself to? When, oh. I said, when I said you were the first lady of the ramble, you said, probably Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got to aim high in life, yeah. Luke. I, yeah. I would say I've missed the ego, but it was poking me through <laughs> the window of my hotel room in Budapest because <laughs> it's that enormous. Yeah. It covers Europe. Buggers. Yeah. Um, no, what an amazing time you've had though, Andy. I've loved seeing everything you've been up to on social media as well. Fans in the stadiums over there. It's just been Actual brilliant fans. to watch. I know. And I was fortunate enough to be in Wembley the other day for the win against Germany and I tell you what our fans were incredible yeah so Vish was saying that he's so never good. heard a reaction like it with when Grealish came on no me either right. uh, honestly there were two there were two moments in the game against Germany that I was like wow one of them was when Jack Grealish came on and the well before he came on they showed him on the big screen sat obviously as a sub you could actually hear that on the telly and you could hear the reaction to that on the were, telly people were clapping him when he came on the screen as a substitute sat mm. on the bench yeah. and then when he actually stripped off to come on and he actually walked out onto the pitch it was the hugest cheer that was one moment the other moment was when Muller was through on goal yeah. and he missed the entire Wembley erupted and jumped and screamed as if we just yeah. scored. I, I th- I it think, was insane. Yeah. I think that Thomas Muller miss might be one of the most seismic events in British cultural history. Certainly English <laughs> cultural history. Another one that Uri Geller is responsible for. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Although we know the truth because yeah. Marcus predicted in our WhatsApp group that it would be 2-0 to England before. So it wasn't Uri Geller, it was Uri Speller. He's oh, a, exactly. He's having an amazing predicting tournament. We'll he is, what happens when the, when, yeah. the, when the official predictions come out. Still got none right in four to score though, has he? But, uh, he's not got an amazing <laughs> record on that. Maybe we should try him on doing all four in four to score. Maybe we should. Maybe maybe that's the best thing. Maybe we should. Um, yeah, Yuri Geller won it for England. He, he apparently shouted one, two, three, bend <laughs> as Thomas Muller bared down on goal. Of course he did. Um, and of course look, he did. You know, all I'm saying is, did he bend? You can say that afterwards, can't you? Anyone can say <laughs> that. If you had said before the game, when Thomas Muller goes through on goal, I'm going to shout one, two, three, bend. He's going to put it wide of the post. That would be, I would say, at least marginally more impressive. I mean, if you want to talk about egos, I'm going to claim that the reason Muller missed it is because I was behind that goal and I shouted, miss! And, <laughs> and he missed. And you had a bright pink suit on. Yeah, exactly. Probably so, put him off. Great suit. 100%. Great, great suit. Thanks. Yeah. Why, thank you. Yeah, it, it was, was good. It was such a good day. And now England find themselves ready for a quarterfinal tomorrow. I'm super excited for what this. What suit have you got in mind for tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you must have thought out she's the outfit doing, for tomorrow, she's right? She's going to do the full um, Union Jack. Like she, she, She's got a, a Union Jack trouser suit that she's got left over from the Brexit campaign. <laughs> she's going to wear that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jerry Halliwell. Stolen, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Halliwell. Do the Jerry Halliwell. That would be brilliant. I would as well. Would I have actually worn my England top on Australian TV. I wore it the other night after nice. the Germany win. Nice. So. For Euro Brecky rap. For Euro Brecky rap. Well, yeah. Don't you get quite a lot of stick off the production staff? I mean, aren't they quite sort of... They're know, all very Aussie and don't want us to win. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get so a lot you, of stick you, for... You've um, got to represent, right? Exactly. We'll get a lot of stick for confusing... Um, the British stuff with the English stuff, I suppose. But anyway, that's life. That's the that's the hand we've been that's dealt. But anyway, it. it's the quarterfinals. It's exciting, right? Yeah, I'm buzzing for it. How, yeah. how excited are you? Where are you watching it? What's your plans? I just watch it at home. I've got a couple of uh, errands to run. Oh, you tomorrow. Loser. I know, I know. Uh, I basically just do whatever my wife says. <laughs> and uh, that's going to involve me not getting back to the house till a little bit later. So I watch it at home. Does she like fully support England, even though she's yeah. not from England? Yeah. yeah, and Italy. She likes Italy as well. Ah. Yeah. So, um... But I, I, I'm excited for the game. I'll, I'll definitely watch it at home. Um, I have a concern. The only really cons- real concern I have, and I mentioned this earlier um, earlier in the week, is this idea of England perhaps being hot house flowers, but they've played at Wembley the whole time and it'll be a bit different for them. I, I tell you, that's the most references they've had in a week for a well, very long time. <laughs> don't get, you don't know the hot house flowers are, do you? Uh, I didn't even get the reference. They're like an 80s man. Well, hot house flowers, it's like a... It's Come like on, a, sings a couple of times. I don't really know any of their songs, to be honest. I always get them confused with Crowded House. <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. So Hot, hot House Flowers are like... Neil Finn is fuming right now. They're, 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 they've been in their protected environment the whole time. And when you take them out into the wild, so to speak, they don't flourish because they're not used to it because they've been mollycoddled, mm, right? Mm. It's kind of like... Um, actually, that's mean. I'm not going to say that. Um, the, so so I, 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 I want... I wondered um, what that was. Yeah, it's not about you guys. I, I wondered if, um, if they would be able to deal with that. But ultimately, really, I, I don't, I've kind of convinced myself now that this group of players are so focused, are so... Um, Kind of attentive to the detail and, and aware of their 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 role and their position and what's what's going to be expected of them. That I don't think it should be too much of a problem. And Southgate has made it so, yeah, hasn't he? he? And I, I think it's it's really important thing to absorb that, like the fact that players like a script. They like to know what's going to happen. They like to be told everything. And so far, it's all unfolded exactly, really, as Southgate. Said it would, and he's been great at like chopping out all the noise from elsewhere. And I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue to do that, and why you wouldn't believe that he would continue to do that. Yeah, and I, 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 I think they, um, they obviously celebrated pretty vociferously after the game. Family were there; it was a big deal because of the year that. I think the so. They should as well. Of course, with all, with the amount of fans, there was there was certainly a different feel. I've been to a few matches now where fans have been back in stadiums. A couple of those being at Wembley, including the FA Cup final, um, and it it was a different feel against Germany. Mm. There was obviously it's the most fans that we've had mm. at Wembley since, and the euphoria. I've honestly, I don't think I've ever experienced euphoria like it in a stadium because it was bar a very small section of German supporters. Pretty much all the fans that were in there all wanted England to win and were all so ecstatic because let's face it, going into that match against Germany, it was built up. It's such an iconic fixture and it was built up so much that we almost were expecting to fail in Mm. a way. And that if we had lost to Germany, I don't think it would have necessarily been a massive surprise. So the fact that we overcame that and went through, the feeling in the stadium was like, no other experience I've had as a football mm. fan in a stadium. It was just amazing. That's so, the thing, isn't it? It's about over. It was really about England overcoming a huge it. mental hurdle. Mm-hmm. Not just, not even the players, really, but the the nation, the football culture. Because on paper, I think I think if you go back and Marcus talked about it before, I, I talked about it before. If um, England sticks to the script, if Southgate gets it right, which did. 
they're always going to be Germany. Yeah. I, I I think, but sort of intellectually knowing it and feeling it are two totally yeah. totally different things. Totally, uh, and um, you you know I. I guess that the, the thing that I think back to is when it, it felt big when England beat Germany in Euro 2000, when Shearer scored out, out there. That felt absolutely huge. Now, as we know, those were two not very good England and Germany sides, and it was very much like two bold men fighting over comb, mm-hmm. and neither of them came out of the group. And I'm not suggesting it's going to go the same way because England are a much better side now, and, you know, that the way is open in the competition to an extent. But I do think that there has to be a collective reset because, and I think Rome kind of helps with that really, mm. because rather than going back to Wembley and going, right, we're yeah. back on it. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I, I think it's a new that, challenge. Yeah. The fact that there aren't really going to be many England fans there, I think makes a huge difference. And I think Southgate will have, will have steeled them for that. Yeah, and I, and I would I would just add that you know it's fine to to celebrate and to have that cathartic release because you've exercised something that as Andy rightly says permeates the English football culture. But Southgate and I think it was Rice after the game were both quite pointedly saying, "Look, we we need to. It doesn't mean anything if we don't." It's important you for your leaders to say that. Isn't yeah, it? it is. Yeah. But I think what 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 you find with top professional footballers like past and present the ones who currently play and will still be doing it and the ones who have played will say they're always like this is they're always looking for the next game. What's the next game? What mm. are we doing next? They want to be good all the time. And, and so the the idea that um, they won't reset the next day I think is fanciful for this group of players because I think they've got an identity and they've got an identity that isn't just about how they play on the pitch which isn't to everyone's taste. We've seen in my opinion, you know, my personal opinion, a kind of unbelievable amount of entitlement from a certain amount of people who watch football and cover football for a living about what they expect from England given what they've been able to achieve so far. Um, I mean, you literally couldn't make it up. I mean, it, it, we're in an international major tournament and England are in the quarterfinals having not conceded a goal and people are still complaining about how they play. But I think what we don't realise sometimes is that conversation is had in every country. Like like French people will say, why don't, when, when they won the World Cup, they're like, why don't we play more flamboyant football? When Portugal won the Euros in 2016, it's like, yeah, come on, can't we play a bit as well? It's it's yeah. everywhere. Portugal in 2016 was a bit, a bit underwear. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, let's be absolutely fair. Nanny's won, tournament. Won, That's won, all you need to know. Nanny's two, tournament. They won like two games. And Ricardo Quaresma. And, and anyway, so, so the point is that I think they've got an identity not just on the pitch, but as well off the pitch. They're a really, gr- a really um, tight-knit group. They carry themselves with a lot of dignity, a lot of class. And Southgate is, is responsible for that because he set the example of restoring an incredible amount of dignity to that, to that squad. I mean, you know, we, we were talking a little bit off air before the show. You know, think of what happened in 2006, 2010. You look back at it, a lot of good players, and I respect those players for what they achieved in their career, particularly for their clubs. But it's a bit of a joke, really. Mm. It's, a bit, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a joke. And it's not like that now. Every single player in the squad goes and does media stuff. They seem humble. They seem focused. They seem dedicated on, uh, to what they want to do. And they feel genuinely, I think, particularly after the 18 months that everyone's had, they're carrying the flag for a nation and they take it seriously. Yeah, and that's and, and that's, a really, that's a really great thing. That's absolutely huge, I think, under Southgate. He's someone who makes the players understand what representing your country means yeah. but in a very different way to previous regimes have mm. by being polite, by being open, by being approachable, by being decent to everyone you work with. He's just uh, classy, isn't he? Yeah, Southgate. definitely. Every interview he does, he just you just sense there's so much respect both ways, yeah. if that makes sense. And I, I just feel like there's a really feel-good factor. And when we talk about that kind of like restoration and that resetting off the back of the, the Germany game, I think mm. that 
from a bigger picture, 100%, I agree that playing this game in Rome tomorrow will help with that. But also, I think as well as the bigger picture and the whole squad and the whole feel around the England team, there's also a little bit of an opportunity for a reset for someone like Harry Kane, who's, uh, you know, didn't score in the group stages, finally got his goal in the match against Germany. And now I feel like that's a massive weight off his shoulders and a chance for him to kick on and the players around him to maybe just, I don't know, maybe there's going to be a bit more belief in the squad yeah. now after that as well. I think that's a really good point. I think, I think obviously that is bred by winning games, not conceding goals, having a platform. Your big players taking chances and scoring is always a great thing. But I, I would also, I mean, because we've got Andy here, Andy, it'd be interesting to know what you think we can realistically expect from this Ukrainian side because they've done well to get to the quarterfinal. Uh, it's the first time in a long time since they've done it. They've got a quite upwardly mobile, kind of interesting manager who's got an interesting story and was an amazing mm. player, obviously. And they've also got... And it's got an amazing history in Italy. Yes, well. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And they've got a handful of players who people listening to this will know at least fairly well in, in the shape of kind of Yarmolenko and, and Zinchenko. But also Manovsky, who's been brilliant for Atalanta, but hasn't really maybe I think he's had quite, quite a poor tournament, yes, really. They haven't really worked out how to use him less. And he but could but be... they, seem, they seem really tired to me against Sweden. Yeah, well, and they, they, they went to extra time, which is a huge exactly. bonus for us. Yeah, and I, I think if you go back further than that, they completely choked in the third group game against Austria. Mm. And of all the third-place teams that went through, they're comfortably the luckiest to have got mm. through. You saw them on the pitch after that Austria game, in which, you know, they've been like decent in those first two games. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but decent. And having got themselves in a, a an okay position, they completely choked and really sort of lit Austria's tournament from that moment as as well. And the way they behaved on the pitch, Shevchenko looked absolutely beside himself at the end of that game. And they thought, we've, we've blown it. So for them, it's a massive bonus and a massive surprise really to A, be in the knockout round and B, be here. And it really went for them against Sweden with the sending off and, you know, whether you think it was sending off or not, I would say yes. Um, that, that that was certainly something that, that went in their favour. Um, I, I have thought all along that the idea of Ukraine is more sexy than the reality. Mm. I think because they were really good in the qualifiers because they got four points off Portugal because they drew with France earlier in the year at the Stade de France, which is a great result. Um, we can sort of like, and, and because Shevchenko's at the helm, we can say, oh, something, something amazing is happening there. Whereas really, I think they're a quite good side who are probably the weakest of the eight left in the, in the tournament. Yeah. And, Basically, when it comes to breaking down England, as you said, it's it's been almost chanceless so far. To me, that was one of the amazing things about the the Germany game. Not that they had a couple of chances, because I think limiting Germany to like three decent chances in the in the game with like the sort of I said that on the show. Forwards you they can't, got you can't is, reduce a is reasonable. Yeah, it's yeah. reasonable. Um, but I think give overall, it's been a pretty chanceless tournament. Malinowski, who was amazing last season for Atalanta, particularly in the back half, they're going to have to find a way to make him front and centre. I know people will talk about Yarmolenko. He will blow hot and, hot, hot and cold for his entire career. And also, you know what he's going to do. He's always going to come onto that left foot. Malinowski, if there's anyone who can pick the lock, it's him. He's not shown enough in this tournament so far to suggest that it will be his day at the weekend. Do you reckon they'll definitely start him? Because they didn't start him against Sweden. They should do. Because England are so difficult to break down. 
And he's the one with the best vision of anyone in that squad. So they should play him and they should find a way to make him front and centre. Okay. So what you're trying to say is they're shit and we're going to beat them. It's a paraphrase. Look, I think the thing is, is that from a mental perspective, whoever is on that side of the draw does have an, an incredible opportunity to get to the final of the Euros. And, and look, I think the games tomorrow are going to be so exciting, but... We are going to touch on uh, tonight's matches in the quarterfinals in a moment after the break. But first of all, just to just to come away from the Euros for a moment, because there's been a couple of other football stories, managerial appointments bubbling under whilst the Euros is underway. Marco Silva, going to be the new manager at Fulham. I wonder how Marcus Speller feels about that, Luke. Um, is he messaging just about it? I don't think he says anything. Did you call him actually. Marco's Speller? Marco's <laughs> Speller. But yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like Marco Silva has not taken a job since he left Everton, which seems really was two years ago. I get the impression that he um, really wants to prove himself mm. in England and it's almost a bit like he, he feels like there's unfinished business here because his career has been one managerially, and Andy will know more about him than I will. I, I've, I've spoken to people who've played under him, said he's not an amazing, amazing coach, like a brilliant coach. I, I've, I think I, I worked with somebody who played with him under, under him at Hull and said he was a mate unbelievable, like the best coach he's ever had. Wow. But he's also flattered to deceive in what he's been able to achieve, right? So that when you look at what he achieved at Everton, it's a bit like, on one hand, they had some quite nice players come through. I know Marcel Brantz was part of that, and they, they had some kind of notable results, but it ultimately ended quite abruptly in, in, in failure. Um, and the way that he conducted himself, if, if what I'm led to believe is true, at Watford, when he had his head turned and, and they just completely went off a cliff, mm. I thought was a little bit embarrassing, to be honest. So... Without being disrespectful to Fulham, I'm going to say what probably Fulham fans will roll their eyes when they always hear people covering Fulham. It's a nice club. They're not in the Premier League. It's a good chance for him to rebuild. I think he could go a little bit under the radar, play some nice stuff. Fulham fans will enjoy that. But ultimately, Fulham have got a recent history of of at least if not being in the Premier League, knocking on the door of the Premier League. So he's going to have to maintain that. So there is some pressure there. But I actually, I kind of think it's it might be quite a nice appointment all round, really. I think it is, and I think it's good for Fulham to start again because I know a frustration along among a lot of Fulham fans is the fact that it, it seemed to them that they didn't really learn from the mistakes of when they came up last time mm. certainly in terms of putting the squad together and recruitment if they've got any sense what they will let Marco Silva do is be a manager rather than just a coach because if you think of his background, do you think that plays to his strengths then Yes, I do, because okay. I think you go to... He is a very good coach, you're right, but I think if you go right to the beginning of his background, um, his, his first job in football, really, um, after after playing is when he's the sporting director of, of Estoril, and he gets kind of parachuted in as coach, and he has this sort of... It, it works for him, but it's quite an unusual way into coaching. But he's someone who understands how you can build a club and with not particularly that much money as well, which is, I think, useful to any club in this sort of environment where we are. But I think Fulham have been... I think their, their squad construction has, has been a little bit opaquely done, I think, in the in the last couple of years. And it's cost them a lot of money, and it's left them in a position not to survive in the Premier League. Marco Silva is smart enough to be able to help to build the squad. And I hope he's invited to do that because that's one of his strengths as well as coaching. And I think with a club of that size, rather than an Everton, is something he could do quite effectively. There we go. Yeah. Good news then. There we go. Uh, also, Jose Mourinho is meant to be unveiled as the Roma manager today. He's out in Rome. 
not for the England quarterfinal tomorrow. Um, well, probably that as well. <laughs> he's working for Talksport, isn't he? He is doing some yeah. stuff. I've noticed that he's not bothered turning up to no, the studio. No, he hasn't. Anymore, he's been on he's Zoom, hasn't he? Now, yeah, yeah, Zoom will do. Will I still get paid the same? Well, I'll start <laughs> yeah. doing Zoom. <laughs> I work from home. Well, that means you don't even have to put any trousers on. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. exactly. um, the club were planning to unveil him at the Coliseum, Andy, but uh, apparently local authorities were like, nah, mate. You're not doing I'd that. love to see him dressed up as like a, as a, as a gladiator. Because <laughs> he's quite small, isn't he? It'd be funny. Is he small? Oh, here we go again. Every time Jules is obsessed no, with people's height. No, I just. What? Is, I, he, is he short, Mourinho? He's quite short, isn't he? He's shorter than me. I would call him short. Is average he really? height. Average height. Like what we're talking? Does he pass uh, the six uh, foot mark? I wouldn't have thought so. No, 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 no. I wouldn't Damn. have thought so. Yeah. So are we, are, we, are we talking Spanish steps rather than Coliseum instead? I guess it must have to be, yeah. <laughs> have to be. I'd, I'd like to see him on the coast at Ostia like uh, Jenny and Gamora. That that would be amazing. That would be a look, wouldn't it? Yeah. Great. Come on, th- this is my kingdom now. Big scar across his cheek. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mo- Mohawk, maybe. <laughs> um, Andy, you were back with uh, the OTC team yesterday, weren't you? With Dotton and Lars um, on the continent. Tell us what you got up to. Uh, well, we talked about the fallout for France and Germany after they exited Euro 2020. Rabio's oh. mum vibes. Oh, yeah. Because that, that, the guys covered Earlier. it yesterday, but it wasn't a deep dive. Did you do a deep dive? Oh, uh, yes. Well, you know, earlier when... <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about what a boost it was for England's families to be at the England uh, at the England Germany game, I was like biting my lip and going, "Keep the families away! Keep the families <laughs> away!" But yeah, we talk about that. We talk about the contenders that could rob England yeah. of of Euro twenty twenty still. And uh, Dotton and Lars are on cracking form. And it's on Football Ramble presents. And Indeed. and it's the most entertainment you can have on that kind of thing until Adrian Rabio. Pablo Aymar and David Luiz do finally start forming that Strokes tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll all be happier. Who's drumming? Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, wait and see. Aymar's drumming. Probably, yeah. Right, time for a break. After this, we'll start looking ahead to tonight's two quarterfinals. Now, a well-placed source has told me that you celebrated the win over Borussia Dortmund in the dressing room by doing an impression of Chris Kamara. Is that right? Lambalebabajef. Lambalebabajef. Who is that? I don't even know who that is. Alberto Moreno. Oh, is it Moreno? I've never heard that before. It's incredible. That's incredible. Love that. Uh, Welcome along, ladies and gents. Uh, It is the Football Ramble with Jules, Luke and Andy. And now it's time for some of this. Peter's jingle had a good run We loved it once but that love's gone You can get in touch Just email show at footballramble.com Show at footballramble.com Tweet us as well at footballramble to get in touch We've got this one from Charlie Salmond who says A few weeks ago I was out and about in sunny South London listening to the Ramble specifically Andy giving a typically insightful bit of analysis, as he always does. And he said, (laughs) he said, I looked up from my phone and the great man himself walked right past me. I was listening to Andy whilst looking at Andy, but he wasn't speaking. All a bit surreal. I felt a bit like I was reading his mind. You don't want to read his mind. (laughs) It's all just numbers and stats. you, You didn't say hi, Charlie. Why didn't you say hi? No, why, why, why didn't you say hi? Should have yeah. gone, Andy, I'm guess, literally listening to you right now. I guess it's because it felt like I was 
speaking already. Yeah. It's good to know I wasn't speaking to myself anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's relieving. Right, well, I've got some more name mix-ups here. Here's oh, one from uh, 44RC. Tildesley once amalgamated the Roma fullbacks of the <laughs> time. Marco Cassetti and Max Tonetto into the singular Maxi Cornetto. <laughs> And there's one of uh, George reminding us that uh, Real Madrid probably thought Lee Carsley and Tom Thomas Gravison were one person. <laughs> we have all been there. <laughs> do, do you think they signed Gravison because they thought he was doing the job of two players? <laughs> and they, they had some amalgamated highlights where like, it was Carsley and Gravison. Like, Bloody hell, this guy can do actually not even everything, just a bit similar stuff. Quite different. Yeah, yeah, very, 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 um, very possibly. A friend of mine, Adam, who runs the offensive, which is you have friends. Brilliant. Well, all right, <laughs> <laughs> fucking colleague. How, how tall he's is he? Not even a friend. How tall is he? How he's, tall is he's he? About five ten. I don't know. All right, uh, cross him off the list. He, run, <laughs> he runs uh, the offensive, uh, which is another stack pot, which you listen to. It's really, really funny. And he had a friend who, for literally, got the, for the first twenty-five years of his life, thought. Horatio Nelson, <laughs> as in Trafalgar Square, right. yeah, was called Nelson Scollum. <laughs> what? He was like, oh, there's Nelson Scollum. Nelson Scollum. Yeah. And oh he thought he was called God. Nelson Scollum for ages. That is the sort of thing I'd do. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, it's a bit close to home for you, Jules, isn't it? <laughs> I appreciate that. I love when other people do as stupid things as I do. Uh, show at footballramble.com. Keep your emails coming in. We love them. Uh, it is quarterfinal time tonight. Two games kicking off. They kick off at separate times, which is always good because we like to watch every single bit of the Euros. Switzerland, Spain is the first game at five o'clock. I feel like Spain have really kicked into gear, Andy. They've just got the momentum at the right time. The first team to score five goals in back-to-back -back Euro matches ever. Um, I just can't see them not getting past Switzerland. Yeah, but I do feel that Spain have still got quite a large capacity for shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, their games have been amazing so mm. far. Even, even the ones where they weren't winning at the beginning were amazing because seeing them create chances and not take any of them. That Sweden was, game was remarkable. Was, they could have lost that game. Yeah, yeah they, they, they could have done. But you know what? I think it was overlooked in those couple of first couple of games where they, or particularly Morata, were struggling to score. That they, they did create a lot. They created a lot in those games and it's all clicked. It does feel to me that Luis Enrique is very much putting on a blindfold, having images of a lot of his players on a dartboard and throwing the darts mm. and then taking the blindfold off and saying, all right, that's my team. Mm. It's, it's very, very difficult to follow his thinking so mm. far. I was very surprised that Gerard Moreno didn't start yeah. against uh, Croatia, although Ferran Torres came in and did a, a, a really, really good job. But I think Sergio Busquets has made a massive difference as well. Just to give the side some purpose, some sort of focus, some experience, which really they don't have that much of with no Sergio Ramos um, and David De Gea on the, on, on the bench, although he's never really been a Spain mainstay. I, I do feel that they're, they're in a better place, but I don't really know what to expect from them mm. still. I think on talent, yeah, they should go and blow Switzerland away. But then then I think the amazing thing about Switzerland, you think that, um, I mean, I said on OTC yesterday, there was 25 minutes in the second half of that France-Switzerland game where you think no one is going to touch this level of football from France. It was so good, but it was only 25 minutes. Yeah. They made a right mess That's of things, mm. the, 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 either side of it. And Switzerland managed to stick in there. And, mm. you know, they're, they're, they're a team that's, I think done really well considering that they are a solid team. They're reliable. They're very well coached. They've got more talent than people give them credit for. 
But I think what's the amazing thing is two of the most important players in Ricardo Rodriguez and Zerdan Shakiri turn up into this, like really having not played that much football this season. Rodriguez has been up and down. You went on a massive run after he missed that penalty against uh, France, <laughs> didn't you? For some absolutely negligent um, absolving of responsibility. What, missing a penalty? In that fashion, yeah. But you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Brian Tolbert was West Bromwich Albion manager and they missed two penalties in a home defeat to Swindon. One player had it saved and another player smacked it over the bar. And after the game, he said, right, well, I'll be fining the guy who had it saved, even though he got it on target, because I asked the players to hit it hard. No way. Yeah, it's well, amazing, I, I, think, it? I think with Rodriguez, I think with Rodriguez, I mean, obviously, first of all, that team massively dodged a bullet because the momentum swung so obviously in France after against France after that penalty miss. Yes. It was just incredible to me they could even come out of that and go through, um, which they did and they deserve credit for that. Ricardo Rodriguez has got 85 caps for Switzerland. Right? If he's going to step up and take responsibility, I know penalties can be saved, but for me it was a poor penalty. You've got to, you've got to execute. If you don't execute, you, you basically it's ne- you're letting your team down effectively. Now, they've raided around, they've done all right, and he'll start again against Spain today, and I'm sure he'll play well. they've well. done more than all right. They knocked it, France out of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were, they've done an amazing... Okay, fine. They did an yeah. amazing thing to turn that around. Now, my, my, my point is this. The, the, big, the big focus in this game, as you've already sort of alluded to with Bushkets, is the midfield. Now, Granit Xhaka was incredible against France. Mm. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. And he's suspended for this game. Yeah, yeah it's big. And, it's and, big. And, and, huge. And what, and what needs... And what should, I think Shakiri needs to take more responsibility as well for Switzerland. The, thing, the thing is, Shakiri looks like a player who's not played a lot of football this season. In that he's had his little moments, particularly against Turkey, who obviously weren't very good at all this tournament. Mm. But um, I don't know if you've mentioned that since I've been <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I've uh, really... I think Vish called you a fraud. Did he? Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah. All right, I, I hanging him out to dry. But, but okay, not... I know Jonathan Wilson sat behind him on the plane today. So <laughs> I'd text Jonathan, get him, get him. <laughs> but yeah, you beg him. If you, go, if you go back to that Switzerland midfield, you talk about Shakiri and talk about Shaka. Look at what they did against Italy. They got battered because they've effectively mm. played a two in midfield because Shakiri doesn't do any work. No, right. Well, he can't at the moment. Right. So, so yeah. if, you, if you take Shaka out of that equation, you're asking a lot of Shakiri and whoever comes in to replace Shaka. Um, uh, I don't know if it, it, a Freudian plays generally, but it'll be someone else who comes in there next to him, I expect. They'll, they'll have someone um, seven out of ten and boring to take his spot, trust <laughs> me. So Zakaria apparently <laughs> will probably will probably start. So anyway, who's who's a really talented player, but not really had a great season. Right. I think the midfield battle is massive here. I think Switzerland have probably got the best goalkeeper left in the tournament, which makes a difference. He's, he's your so, pal, isn't he? He's brilliant. I, I think he's he? fantastic. He's so but, good. I, but I do so think what, what, well, hang on, what, hang on. I do think I do think Spain can be bullied. I think they can be got at, and I think particularly Laporte can have his dinner money taken every five minutes. So you you have got a chance because Seferovic and Mbolo have been very impressive up front. But what what we need to, the thing is if they're going to get few chances, which is what I thought was the issue against um, France, like will they be able to take them? Because Seferovic and Mbolo both great on their day, but not consistently. I wonder if we've had a bit too much good from them already this tournament. Yeah. But I think, Luke, what the people really want to know is when it comes down to Swiss goalkeepers, who do you think is better out of Jan Sommer and Roman Burki? <laughs> because you've not really been decisive on this issue. I haven't seen Burki play like, for a while, to be I'd fair. I'd like you to sit on the face. Tell the people what you I'll think. I've been on his back. I've been on his back in the past. I rate, I rate Sommer very highly. I can't believe he's not at a 
a, a, a really, really big club with respect to Mönchengladbach. Yeah. But, um, you, you know what? He said that the Switzerland shootout against France should be turned into a film and that Robert De Niro should play with the film. Great stuff. What a guy. What a guy. I mean, he does realise that Robert De Niro is in his 70s. Right? So I mean, I'm not really sure how that's going to play. Belgium, Italy is the other game tonight. Oh, I can't wait for this one. Eight o'clock kick off this. Um, the big story in this is, of course, the fitness of Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard. They have travelled with the Belgium squad for the game, but there was no sign of them in the warm-up on Thursday morning, um, Roberto Martinez insisted that it could be very close for both players to be available. I mean, what do you do? You don't risk them, surely, if they're not fit. They can't. They can't, can mm. they? They can't. And they already showed, I think if you go back to the beginning of the tournament, which is remarkable and a huge credit to Roberto Martinez, they can actually do okay without them. Mm. I, I don't see them going into this game um, without De Bruyne and Eden Hazard and, and being sunk. I think they could be fine still. The good news is Jason Denier's back. The Denier. Yeah, but he's not, he's not going to start, is no, he? No, he won't. He probably. won't start. I, I know, because they're, they're, they're insistent on playing 95-year-old well, Thomas Vermaelen. That's the, <laughs> ma- that's, that's the match-up here that's key for me. The defence. You look at Chiesa, who's probably going to come in and start, right? Mm. Uh, Immobile and Insigne. So dynamic, so busy, so quick. and, and Nuisances, around aren't yeah. they? Yeah, and up against Vertonghen, Vermaelen, Ardevireld. To me, that looks like a bit of a flashpoint. I've never, I can't think of a more positive forward in this tournament than Chiesa. Everything he does is to is to almost impact. But he hasn't been starting him. Has he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't but the impact's been incredible. Yeah, yeah. And and you talk about big players mentality-wise stepping up and wanting to make things happen. Everything Chiesa does, is he, from what I've seen, is he thinks about being positive. Can I take on the defender? Can I do something good? I'm not going to turn inside and play an easy pass. I'm going to try and make it happen. And he's relentless with it. Mm. And if he does that from the start, against, and he's matched up against who it will be, if Chiesa starts on the right-hand side, and it will be Vertonghen, to me, I'll, I'll, I'll rate Vertonghen. I he's, I, it's a mismatch, though. I don't think it's about the centre-backs. I think it's about the wing-backs. So you have Hazard and Mounier. Exploiting the pace behind yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, exploiting the space behind them, because... Mounier has had a really dreadful season for Dortmund. He has kind of recovered that a little bit of the Euros. But I do think defensively he can be got out. And, and Torgan Hazard, who's been great, is not a defender. Yeah. So I would I would expect Belgium to sit quite deep again. Well, I, I, don't I, miss I, it, folks. I, I think Italy, I just think Italy are more coherent than Belgium. What about the battle between Lukaku and Chiellini, who is going to be back for this game, Andy? God, that's, gonna be that's, that's, that's the thing, tasty, isn't it? Like it? I mean, if we're talking about best <laughs> goalkeepers... Who's going to bully who? Well, I think there's only one answer to that, really, isn't there? And if, if you think of like the way that Belgium were able to overcome a lot of these obstacles, now I think I have defended better this tournament than people have given them credit for, give or take that first half against Denmark. Um, the fact that they've got an incredible goalkeeper in Thibaut Courtois, and I know people have particular opinions about him from a sort of mixed time at Chelsea where some bits were amazing and some bits were not so amazing. Um, he's He's been great this last season. He's in a really good place at the moment. And Lukaku's playing his best ever as well. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a centre forward, I, I, I know we are basically our job is to talk about the minutiae of the game. But the fact is, if you've got an incredible goalkeeper, an incredible centre forward, it can take you an awfully long way. And they've got some great players in between as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if Roberto Martinez is superstitious in any way. I wonder if he'll be looking back at how he prepared for that Wigan FA Cup final where he beat Mancini and thinking, I'll do the same routine again. Yeah, I don't Gosh, think Belgium are fucking Wigan, are they? <laughs> Let's be fair. I, mean, I was at that game. Man City were fans were absolutely fuming. Fuming they were. They were fighting among themselves and all sorts. What were you doing there? Some of them. I was just watching the game. Nice. I sometimes go to games. Do 
it's part of the job why, why yeah. do you make that sound so sinister yeah. I do sometimes go to the game <laughs> well, I don't know how tall the goal scorer was <laughs> no, it's going to be good whatever happens uh, the quarterfinals underway tonight and then it's time for England to get in action tomorrow in Rome against Ukraine more on that tomorrow with the guys uh, Kate, Pete and Jim are going to be back to preview tomorrow's quarterfinals and look back at what happens tonight but before we go it is time to quickly announce the third winner of our Euros Patreon competition every Friday throughout the Euros we've been giving away a brand new TV thanks to our friends at Toshiba and today is no exception. So, well done to... Oliver Beaumont. Hey, Congratulations, well Oliver. Oliver. <laughs> well done, you. Uh, there's still one more chance to win across the Euros. All you got to do is sign up for our Patreon. You can get access to all Ramble shows, ad-free, exclusive live streams and weekly bonus episodes as well, exclusive just to you, our subscribers. So sign up, get involved, patreon.com forward slash football ramble. Thanks for listening, guys. Andy, Luke, good to see your faces. Likewise. See you guys soon. soon. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.